The following is a Pro Football Network podcast. The primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the PFN Premier NFL Draft Podcast. I am Ian Cummings, joined by my good friend, Ali Hodgkinson. We were going to talk about linebackers today, but I dropped the ball. Uh, I was fixated on some other positions, and so I was like, oh, shoot, Ali, Guess what, man? Like, I'd love to talk about linebackers. I can, but, you know, we might save that for another week once we've had a chance to finalize all of the, the guys in the day two, you know, early day three range. So today what we're going to do, you know, we're going through the positions in the lead up to the NFL draft. Going to talk about one that we're both very comfortable with, and that is wide receiver. It's a fun position, one that we all love to talk about, and uh, we're going to get right into it. But first, Ali, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing good. It's officially three weeks today until the NFL draft. Three weeks today, Thursday, as we record. Um, I'm 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 excited, man. We're in the home stretch. Um, finalizing some um final watch throughs of prospects, finalizing our big boards, and that will go out, I think the week of the draft, our final 2022 NFL draft top three hundred big board. We're trying to get in as much tape as possible, trying to solidify our opinions on these prospects. It's a very exciting time. Um, you didn't need to tell people we were going to talk about linebackers either because no one knew. We didn't publicize it, but hey, I that's had something. to take responsibility <laughs> for my actions, okay? I was too busy looking at defensive tackles instead, and I told Ali I was going to watch linebackers, and then I was going to – but then I started to reorder the grading scale for my linebackers, and I'm like, is this right? So then I spent like a whole hour trying to figure out how to analyze the trades. It's just, oh, my God, man. Ian, get your stuff together, my guy. But we're getting we're getting a wide receiver because that is a, a position that we're both pretty comfortable with. You kind of have to be with this class, I feel like, because there's so many guys – that are you know worthy of potential day two consideration like i've got almost i think i have almost two dozen in that range right now graded you know i have 25 receivers graded so far and a lot more that you know you know of you have an awareness of it's a strong class it's a fun class and it's always a good one to talk about it certainly is man it certainly is and um, it's interesting with the wide receiver group because I've seen a few tweets out there in the last couple of days saying hey guess what this wide receiver group isn't as good as people want you to believe that it is and I, I kind of still don't feel like that I, I still feel like you look down from top to bottom I think there's elite caliber is probably the wrong word but I think there's starting um wide receiver one potential at the top of this class with some of the guys we're going to talk about in a second and I think as you look through day one through day two into day three I think there's this guys throughout that um, the, the, throughout those three days, that are going to be contributors in the NFL for years to come, and I, I just, I just don't agree that it's not a, a great wide receiver class like some people um, have intimated in the last couple of days. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where there's no Jamar Chase or, or Jalen Waddle level prospect, all right? Not quite that high. But you do have a lot of receivers that can be solid contributors, you know, looking at, you know, and solid contributor, even even that sounds a little, you know, kind of conservative. You know, I think there's guys that can be starters and productive ones at that. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to get through it, you know, give our top five lists real quick. Now, as you all know, listening to us for all this time, we talk a lot. So we are going to try to micromanage ourselves here. Ali, no more than, say, five to seven minutes, but give me your top five wide receivers as of now, and then I'm going to get my top five, and then we'll, we'll talk about that for a little bit. And then for the second half, because it's such a deep class, we're going to get in, into some other guys who we really like in that you know middle-tier range, in that day-two range. But for now, Ali, all right, rapid fire. Well, not quite rapid fire, but be aware of the time you're using, and I will do the same. Who's your top five wide receivers right now? I'm gonna set my my stopwatch and then we're gonna get go and we're gonna talk about this right. like fight. forty time right here. We are rushing, we are cruising. Let's go. Hey, my my forty time is not great right now. Um, the <laughs> the the top five, my top five, and you say as you say right now is a great way of putting it because I have got some of these guys so close together in my top five that I on 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 final watch throughs when I come to put my top three hundred 
final big board together, there may be some um, some slight movement um, because they, they also finally balanced some of these guys. But one guy who, for me, isn't finally balanced at the top of the wide receiver class is Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. He's been, I think, the wide receiver one of the, the our consensus big board pretty much from the jump. Um, I came into the year a bigger fan of Chris Olave, and we're going to talk about Chris Olave in a minute. Um, but between the two of us, we were both very high on on both these Ohio State wide receivers. But for me, through the course of the 2021 college football season, through the course of going back and studying the tape, Garrett Wilson, I think, is, for me, clearly the best wide receiver prospect in this class. He's the epitome, for me, of a three-level threat. He's a guy who can create easy separation with some savvy route running. Um, I think we used the word slasher at one point to describe Garrett Wilson um, just because of the the way that he can effortlessly deceive um, defenses back with a change of direction during his route running. He he's throws himself around, uh, but he's he's got a lot of impressive... Um, traits as a route runner, impressive throttle control, like we said before, the ability to, to change direction, to, to um, move with real twitchiness. We, um, you might have heard me call Garrett Wilson before a catch point connoisseur. Um, I think he, he does his best work at the catch point, and that's not to diminish any other element of his game, but I think when you compare him to the other receivers in this class, I think he excels at the catch point. Um, so he's got that route running ability. He's got that catch point ability. He can add yardage after the catch, often considered the slower of the two Ohio State wide receivers. He outpaced Chris Olave at the combine, so you know he's no slouch. Um, and all of that that we've just discussed all comes together as a um, to make Garrett Wilson a, a three-level threat. So he's my wide receiver one, and I think he's my clear wide receiver one and will be irrespective. But wide receiver two, is Drake London out of USC? I absolutely love Drake London. He, um, him to me, I've used words like Frankenstein and uncommon. He brings together a lot of the um, the the traits and the aspects of different styles of wide receiver, and he manages to combine them somehow into this six foot, nearly six foot four frame. Um, he's physical. A big-bodied possession receiver. We've seen in the Pac-12 this year before he went down with injury, his ability to win one-on-one matchups, 50-50 balls. They just aren't 50-50 balls when you're throwing it to Drake London. This this kid makes them 70-30, 80-20. In fact, you, you go back and look through the tape. I don't think you find any if that many, if any, opportunities to go up and get it at the catch point where it doesn't come down in Drake London's favour. We can't call him 100%, but he's up there. But then he's athletic as well. He's got the athleticism of a smaller, smaller, shiftier pass catcher. He can add value after the catch. I've seen people say, oh, Drake London only does one thing and he starts to go up and get the ball. Well, for me, that is just picking my words carefully here. I nearly swore on this podcast, which I don't think we've done yet. Um, He's... I would would bet on you breaking that if it was something that happened for sure, but... No, I agree. I mean, <laughs> I, I agree with with London. I mean, he's definitely that contested catch guy, but he's got some finesse to his game too. That was the thing that I took away is that he's not just a contested catch guy. He certainly has that in his arsenal, but he's got pretty efficient footwork. He's pretty, you know, he has good hip sync as a route runner. You know, again, very, very detailed with his routes, especially on those slants. He's very good at separating there. And then after the catch as well, you know, like he's a f- physical finisher. You know, he's got the edge to him where he's going to finish forward. You like to see that from receivers, but he can he can levy quick cuts in open field, too. He can make guys miss, which for being 6'4", 219, that's pretty impressive. So I, I'm a big fan of his as well in that aspect and that he's a lot more than the uh, the the contested catch funnel. You know, he certainly has that. He was USC's entire offense when he was healthy, but, you know, he can do a lot of different things. Yeah, for sure, and and the physicality as well is is ele- um, evident in a num- number of ways with Drake London. You know, I, I remember watching a game in 2020 where he got like three or four Arizona State players. I think it was 2020 Arizona State players literally clobbered all over him, and he's dragging those guys towards the end zone. So he, he's he's a guy that you know I, I wrote um, when we put together our top 50 consensus big board. I call him Frankenstein. I call him Unicorn. I call him Uncommon. 
call him what you want. Just call him on day one in April, and that's what Drake London is going to be. He's going to be a day one prospect, irrespective of, of some of the issues with the injuries, which may cause some concern. Should have been partaking in the USC Pro Day this, uh, like a, a personal Pro Day for USC this week, and that got pushed back. Um, so that may cause some concern for, for a lot of people. It doesn't concern me one bit. Um, speaking of players that have caused or have have seen concerns arise through the 2022 pre-draft process, Arkansas wide receiver Traylon Burks is currently my wide receiver three in the class. I I absolutely love what um, Traylon Burks brings to the football field. Um, that big body, boundary threat at six three two twenty five. Um, Goes up again, same as Burks, goes up and, and really competes at the catch point for contested catch opportunities. He's got that after-the-catch elusiveness that you want to see. It's enabled him to be used out of the backfield at uh, the college level for Arkansas. Again, a, a guy who can add value after the catch. And I, I know a lot of people have have um, really soured on Traylon Burks um, because of the, the combine testing times. I think similar to David Bell out of Purdue, who's, who's sort of attracted similar derision because of the testing times. I think when you watch the tape, you understand that that testing isn't completely the be-all and end-all of their game. They operate um, despite of that lack of um, apparent speed, um, sort of more of a, a long build-up speed, certainly I don't feel like with either of Burks or Bell, there is anything to worry about, about their ability to add value after the catch at the NFL level. Now, we know and we heard this week from, uh, sorry, last week from, from Tony Pauline that Traylon Burks is a guy who could be falling out of the first round. Um, so there has obviously been a knock-on effect from the testing performance. Um, but for me, I think Traylon Burks is, um, or will end up proving that that testing wasn't the defining um, aspect of his 2022 NFL draft stock. Um, so let's move on to my wide receiver four, which is Garrett Wilson's Ohio State teammate, Chris Olave. A guy who is um, fast. There's no way of putting it. Yes, he may have been slightly slower in the 40-yard dash than, than Garrett Wilson, but that doesn't show up on tape. His um, ability to win with speed is very apparent. He is a pass catcher who, for me, exhibits excellent ball tracking ability, excellent spatial awareness in terms of he can ghost into uh, blind spots and soft spots in coverage very easily. He also shows ability um, to be spatially aware at the catch point in terms of maintaining um, uh, maintaining the, the catch while keeping himself in bounds on the sideline, back of the end zone. Um, he's a kid that has um, the ability to, to add that yard after the catch um, ability as well. I don't think he's as physical as Garrett Wilson. I think when you come down to discussing those two Ohio State receivers, he's certainly not um, as physical at the catch point as Wilson is. And I think when you come to the NFL level, that's something that's probably going to be held against Chris Olave is that... Um, that he isn't quite as physical as yeah. Garrett Wilson. Yeah, if I may, I feel like, you know, for those receivers, because we've seen this entire cycle, you know, it seems like people are split 50-50 on who they prefer, Olave or Wilson. And for me personally, and I know for you too, you know, having looked at it, I feel like the upside is higher with Wilson, right? Like, it's a matter of preference. For me, Olave is the better player right now, just because, like you said, that spatial awareness, that really methodical way, you know, of using his easy acceleration you know, and manipulation of blind spots to get an open field to sneak into those open zones and, and really use that ability. And especially in the red zone too, like he's very, even in shorter areas, he's very um surgical is the word, word I would use at using that, that throttle control and speed to get open. Right. But at the same time, I think Garrett Wilson, you look at Wilson, he's a more sudden athlete. He's more twitchy. You know, he's a lot more deliberate with his movements. Now, a lot of times it looked like Olave was much more efficient, less wasted motion as a route runner. Which, again, you know, if you're looking for a guy who can make an immediate impact, maybe you prefer that. But I think with Wilson, he was experimenting a lot. Like you saw, like he was literally really just trying to get into his DB's blind spot and then just chop that stem with, with you know, incredible suddenness. And he can do that because that's the kind of athlete he is. But you imagine 
you know, what can Wilson become when he refines his game a little bit more and becomes more efficient with that elite short area athleticism, right? Like I, I think the upside is a lot higher with him. And then going to run after catch as well. I didn't think Alave showed a ton of run after catchability. He's got that, you know, speed and open field for sure. But making guys miss, you know, shedding arm tackles and getting into space, that's really just not his game. You know, he he needs space to work and he's not going to do much, you know, at extending it. You know, he's he's going to use that speed for sure. But I didn't see a ton of extension ability from him. So I think with him, you know, he's that surgical guy who can kind of, you know, be that ice pick and coverage and kind of, you know, parse through those zones. But I think Garrett Wilson has the more high, has the higher ceiling as a separator, as a catcher at the catch point. I think he works better through contact, like you said, and with the run after catch ability. You know, I think it's all, you know, you look at the upside versus the floor. You know, you could easily make a case for either one. But if you're projecting for what they can be, I think Wilson takes the cake. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, and like I said, we, we've spent the whole, feels like the whole um, draft cycle trying to separate those two guys um, for long swathes of it. And I, I just feel as, as the process has gone on and the season, as I said before, the season um, passed us by and we went back to tape and, and studied really in depth these two guys. I think it, it's clear that, that, that Gary Wilson right now is the the, the higher ranked of the, the two. Um, let me finish just up with Jameson Williams. He's uh, my wide receiver five at present. Of course, um, the ACL tear that he suffered in the national championship game casts a small cloud over J- Jameson Williams' um, draft stock because we don't know, uh, and hopefully we're, we're hoping, it sounds very much like he's a kid that's going to be able to um, be back running before the NFL draft, which hopefully that will give some um some reassurance to NFL teams that he can get back up to that top speed because ultimately, while there's plenty to love about his game, which you'll get to in a second, the speed element of Jameson Williams' game is what makes him such an appealing 2022 NFL draft prospect and in the the long-run NFL wide receiver. I've seen it at work this season where he's transferred from Ohio State to Alabama. He's game-breaking, game-changing, Whatever you want to call it, the speed is there and it is undeniable. Um, but he's also um, he's also got some nuance to his game in terms of things like we talked about Garrett Wilson, throttle control, um, how Jameson Williams paces his routes, how he adds ability as a pass catcher with body control and the ability to track the ball in the air. There's more than just speed to his game. But the devastating nature of that speed really takes him over the edge as a prospect. He's he's exciting and he's dangerous, and you want to watch Jameson Williams because of that speed. Everything else is um, is fantastic, and it makes him into an incredible NFL draft prospect. But you want to watch this kid for that speed. Um, and if he can't return to that top speed, doesn't mean he's not going to be a great potential wide receiver in the NFL, but but it will harm, I think, how NFL teams look at Jameson Williams. Um, but as the as the process unfolds and we get close to the draft and we see what if Jameson Williams can get back to it, there's no denying that he's um he's up there with the best of the best in this 2022 NFL draft class. Yeah, he's um he's a fun player and I think you worded it perfectly in that, you know, the speed is not the only element of, of his game, but it is the thing that he can build everything else around, right? You know, it's that blue chip elite trait that he has that not a lot of players do. So I would agree with that. You know, my my top five is pretty much, you know, mostly the same players, just a different order. Garrett Wilson at one, you know, I just think the three-level threat definition, I think we've said it over the podcast at times, but, you know, winning before the catch, at the catch, and after the catch, he's definitely got that for sure. I think in, you know, the highest quantity of the receivers in this class, my number two is Jameson Williams, and I'm kind of projecting that he will be fully healthy. You know, obviously, we we can't say for sure, right? It's, it, it, we've heard that he's projected to make a full recovery, so that's good, right? You know, but also projecting kind of on the upside, like you said, because right now the speed is the defining part of his game. I do think he can, he can become more. I mean, like you said, looking at the route running, the uh, throttle control, the stop and goes, the ability to decelerate and accelerate just at the drop of the hat, right? Like, he's got that. He's got very good hip sync on his stems. Uh, can explode out of those breaks and he's flashed body control and really good hands to the catch point too can get a little bit stronger but i think all the tools are there for me 
to kind of build him up as a complete receiver, you know, even outside of the speed. The speed just makes him even more dangerous, right? So for me, having that dynamic ability is what pushes him over the top for that number two spot. Drake London is my wide receiver three. And um, Wilson, Williams, and London are all kind of on an island up there. They're kind of the big three for me. But uh, London is a fun one because he's, um, you know, he's got the size, right? But as we were saying, not just a contested catch threat. He's actually a very well-rounded receiver who, again, that three-level threat definition, looking at that, you know, he he kind of fulfills a lot of those. Again, like not never going to be an elite separator, I think, but does have enough nuance and quickness and, and hip sync on his routes for his size, you know, to at least separate in the short and intermediate ranges. And then, you know, once he gets the ball, which it's very hard for him not to get the ball with his catching instincts, you know, his physicality, you know, he can he can finish plays. He can make guys miss. He's a fun player. You know, I'm a big fan of his and the skill set that he has to offer. Wide receiver, I'll skip to wide receiver five and then circle back to four because wide receiver five for me is Traylon Burks. Um, and I really like him as well. Um, again, I, I'm not I didn't freak out too much about the NFL combine performance. I'll admit when I saw the four five five, because I hadn't put together an estimate for his 40 time, you know, at first I was like, oh wow, that's kind of rough. But you know, looking back. Did were, were we really supposed to expect four three speed? I don't think so. No, because I think really, you know, not just I don't think he has four three speed in the long run, but at, at the same time, that's not quite his game either. You know, he's not that guy who's going to reach his max speed in 40 yards. He has that build up speed. You give him space and let him rumble with those long strides and, you know, maybe 60 yards down, down the field. He's starting to become harder and harder to catch. Right. So it's one of those things where. You need him. You need a little bit of space to gear up if you're if you're Traylon Burks, but you give him that space and he's gonna make you pay. So I think that's the 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 idea with him. And then on top of that, being six foot two, two twenty five pounds, thirty three and a half inch arms, really wide catch radius, really big frame, I can box guys out and reach. He's got elite instincts at the catch point. You know, I, I love that catching ability. Everyone's fixated on the run after catch, but I think he's a little better in contested situations. But then in open field, too, he does have some lateral agility for his size. He's a fun prospect. I think you move him around, get him in that big slot role where he has that space granted to him already, and uh, he can be a productive receiver. So I'm, I'm a fan of his as well. But my wide receiver four is uh, Eric Azucanamo out of Texas Tech. And if you've been listening to the pod, you know who he is at this point. I mean, we we, we haven't been shy in mentioning his name, but I'm a fan of his. I'm a big fan. I think, um, you know, again, a lot of his projection, right, he never – you know, and I feel like one reason that he's kind of slept on in some communities is because his production was just low enough that it's not going to pop off the page, right? Like he never eclipsed 50 catches or 750 yards, but he was steady from sophomore year to senior year around that, you know, 40, 45 catches, 700, 750 yards, right? He was always kind of steady in that range. This past season started off hot, cooled off a little bit, but I think Texas Tech's offense could have used him a lot better. I think the quarterback play wasn't always the best. So that may have detracted from his action. I look at what he brings on the field. And I'm, you know, I'm just being honest here. I think Azukanma is a better run after catch threat than Traylon Burks. And that's not dissing Traylon Burks, but you look at Azukanma. I mean, he's six foot two, 209 pounds. He's also got 33 and a half inch arms. He has better contact balance than Burks. Burks, you know, as big and dense as he is, he can shed arm tackles. He can kind of step through those. But I don't see him withstanding direct contact as much as I would like on tape. As Ukanma, you see that time and time again. You know, even right after catches, as he's, as he's bringing the ball in, a defender will hit him in in that torso, and he'll just absorb it and keep going. You know, he did that several times on tape in 2021. You know, and he's got that ability to kind of absorb those blows, keep his legs churning, and I love that about the dude. He's to me, he's got the best contact balance in this class. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, explosive in space. He's got good lateral agility. Uh, he can sidestep guys, make them miss. And then he's got some good hip sync as a route runner, too. I really like his projection there. Again, can expand his route tree, you know, be a little more consistent, you know, kind of keying in leverage and kind of, you know, manipulating defensive backs in that sense. But he has enough route running ability for his size. And then looking at how he plays down the field as well, that 33 and a half inch arms. Those come into play as well because he can outreach any defensive back that goes up against him. He's got strong hands. You know, you'd love to see that from the guy. So Azukanma, you know, if you're thinking about it in the three-level threat framework, Azukanma is quietly one of the best receivers in this class in that sense, I think. So he won't be this high for nearly anyone else, I don't think. This is one not where I'm kind of just trusting what I see here, but the the talent is undeniable at all three levels and i'm a big fan of what he has to offer so that that's my top five um but it's really ollie it's it's kind of mix and match for a lot of those guys like drake london traylon burks 
Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, even Chris Olave is going to be there for a lot of people. Those are kind of the top receivers uh, in this class, generally based on consensus. Would you agree that there's kind of a group at the top and that kind of separates from the rest of the guys? Yeah, I think so for sure. And and I think it's important to talk about as well. Um, well, firstly, the Eric Ezekama love has been a, I don't want to say almost a standing joke. It has kind of been a standing joke, whether it's within our own Slack channel, whether it's on Twitter or whether it's in this podcast. But I, I want to just say this. It's been um, a process that, you know, I, you've been high on this kid from the jump. Uh, and I think, A, that's fantastic to have found a guy and to be able to trust in your eyes with what you see with a guy and without being, you know, we hear about it all the time, especially with the advent of social media and draft Twitter and stuff like that. It's, there is often the echo chamber of draft analysis. And with Eric, with Eric Ezekama, you I remember the first time you, you said, hey, have you checked out this guy from Texas Tech? And and it, I was like, hey, there ain't no one playing good football at Texas Tech, come on. And you, you're right, you trust your eyes, you see what you see with Eric Ezekama. And we were talking about this the other day. It's very much like a what are we what are you doing this for? Because yes, of course, we we rank prospects as how they stack up in this class comparative to the rest of the, the prospects in this class. And we talk about how they project to the NFL. Now, Eric Ezekama probably isn't going to be the fourth wide receiver selected. Um, because like like you just mentioned, there is that consensus group when you look around mock drafts when you look at our own big boards when you look at um what's out there in more prominent ma- national media and analysis of, of the top guys there is that group of um garrett wilson of chris Olave, of drake london of Traylon burks of Jahan dotson creeping in there um there is that same same sort of group christian christian watson is starting to creep towards that in a lot of conversations um but in two three four years time if Eric Ezekama is a first-team, second-team, all-pro um, wide receiver in the NFL draft, who, who was right then? He might not have been the fourth wide receiver selected, but if, if he goes on to have that caliber of NFL career, it's how you how do you judge what it is that, you, that we're doing right here? Are you wanting to just say, well, th- these guys are the, the best in the class, or are you really wanting to project what their future is in the NFL? And I think that's a big thing of it. Uh, so it, it's, it's going to be... A great experience looking back in three and four or five years' time and going, well, I was a little higher on that guy, but look what he turned into. Or, you know, I was a little lower on this guy and I missed out. He's turned into a great NFL wide receiver. It's, it's a really interesting part of the process um, in, in going back and, and looking at, you know, this is what I saw of this guy. This is how I saw him project to the NFL. And I was right, I was wrong. Uh, but you know, like you said, there is very much this, this consensus that there's sort of five or six top-level first-round wide receivers, irrespective of how people believe they compare to previous wide receiver classes. Yeah, for sure. It's And that's kind of always how it is, right? Like, there's always a hierarchy that gets set when you're discussing these things. And yeah, with Azukanwa, it's one of those things where I, I don't expect him to be anywhere near the, the fourth receiver selected. More realistically, he might be the 12th or 13th. We'll see. You know, maybe someone out there really likes him too. But it's looking like he'll be, you know, round three guy at best, maybe early day three. But, you know, it's all about just looking at the traits and projecting them, like you said. And, you know, the only way to learn in this business is stick with what you got, right? So, and then you figure out, you roll it over into next year and and see what happens. But, you know, bottom line is it's a fun wide receiver class. And there's a lot of guys where you could look at and say, this is my guy who I expect to, you know, out exceed his draft billing. And I think that segues nicely into our, our second segment here. We're running about 27 minutes, I think. So we're actually, Ali, for once, we are on time here. We are ready to go. Uh, we've let's got some time left, go. so let's go, man. I'm excited about that. But, you know, we were talking about the top five wide receivers. Let's move on to, you know, obviously it's a deep class, and there's a lot of players to, you know, maintain an awareness of. And, and this wide receiver class, so there's guys, you know, in that 10 to 25 range who could go on to have very solid careers. So I guess we'll just go back and forth here, but a few options for you. Uh, who's the first one that comes to mind when you're thinking of a guy who's not in your top five or maybe even top ten? but a guy that you think for where he's drafted can go on to have a solid career. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, so for me, I'm going to start off with um, Coastal Carolina's Javon Hiley, and um, because he's a he's a kid that didn't get a combine invite, um, you hardly ever hear Javon Hiley talked about, and that is potentially because of, um, in my opinion, is because the focus um, after when you look back at the Coastal Carolina offense was. Well, Isaiah Likely is going to be a top tight end in this class. We we knew that coming into this season, and I think a lot of people focused on what Isaiah Likely could do as a receiver for the Coastal Carolinas. But Javon Hiley is a kid who's averaged a thousand yards in each of his last two seasons. He's averaged over sixteen yards per catch in each of the last two seasons, and um, as an average over those two, two seasons, should I say, fifteen point four yards per catch in twenty twenty, seventeen point one yards per catch in two thousand and twenty one. 17 total touchdowns across those two years. So impressive numbers. First ever career 1,000-yard season this season. Um, and he was just two yards short of 1,000 yards last season. So impressive career statistics in an offense that, as I've just mentioned, people think Isaiah Likely was the premier uh, pass-catching talent in that class. Now, numbers alone aren't the basis of evaluation. We know that. It just surprised me that someone with the numbers that Javen Hiley has hasn't received more attention. Um, so when I went to do his scouting report, because I, I, I've been highlighting him just watching through the college football season, I think, you know, I, I look at Javon Hiley as I'm watching college football and going, hey, there's a kid I think can play in the NFL. Um, so when I went to do his scouting report, I'm expecting to see some real um, issues with his game that are impacting his ability to be discussed about as a wide receiver prospect in this 2022 NFL draft. And, other than a, a lack of long speed, because uh, he, he achieved a achieved probably the wrong word, but four point six three forty yard dash time at the Coastal Carolina Pro Day, um, so he's not the fastest of wide receivers. Um, there's some concentration catch issues on his tape as well, uh, but there are on I, I think for a, a lot of the wide receivers in this class, you know, Traylon Burks is something we talk about in our MDS meetings sometimes. I know. Uh, math bomb Kentley Platt would talk about um, Traylon Burks and his how his concentration catches really concerned him um, coming into the season. Um, so he's not alone in that respect. Um, but when I look at Javen Hiley, I see a guy who has got, in terms of a, a catcher, he's got the ball tracking ability, he's got the body control. Um, he's pulled off some some really impressive catches with those two traits alone. Um, decent length with 32 and a quarter inch arms. And you see that in his catch technique. He can extend, pluck the ball out of the sky and corral it into his body. He's not a guy who um, who relies solely on body catching, um, but he, he can go up there and he can pluck the ball out with beautiful technique, natural pass catching technique. Um, and, for, and for a kid who hasn't got the long speed, he wins at the point of release with suddenness. He's he's got great short area burst. Well, I feel like he's got great short area burst. His um, ability to win at the line of scrimmage with that burst, with his releases, with his quick footwork, um, allows him to to be a step ahead of the opposition before the even before the routes even got going. Um, we talked about with Jameson Williams and Garrett Wilson and some of these higher level pass catches in this class. Javon Hiley's got the ability to vary his, vary his tempo within his routes. He's often showcased the ability to lull his opponent into a false sense of security with that um, varied tempo. He can break from his routes with twitchiness. He's a fluid athlete, um, which, again, it's a taper versus testing. That maybe wasn't reflected in some of the pro day numbers. Um, but when you look at the tape, Javon Hiley is a guy who can separate with twitchiness and he's a he's a fluid athlete as well. So I think, you know, those things that you talk about, about what can a what does a wide receiver do well and how does it project to the NFL level? He can win at the point of release, so he can overcome press coverage. He's 
able to be twitchy as a route runner. He's able to vary his routes in terms of route temper. He's got the ability to um, got the catch point ability. He's got good ball tracking skills. Got good body control. Can pluck the ball out of the sky. I think for me, that's everything that you want to see in a wide receiver prospect in the NFL draft. He's been able to contribute both outside and from the slot. He's got special teams experience, so you know that he has the opportunity to see the field earlier in his career. Um, there's a lot of good special teams players in this class. I think of like guys like Bo Melton um, at Rutgers, who's a, a great special teams guy. Um, but when you've got all those capabilities... I think you put yourself out there as a as an intriguing NFL draft prospect. And for me, Javon Hiley is my, uh, currently my 20th ranked wide receiver, which speaks to the depth of this class. He's my 121st overall ranked prospect. Um, and that's probably a lot, a lot too high for a lot of people. I've seen guys say that he's a, a UDFA in the making, but I really believe in what Javon Hiley brings to the football field. Yeah, and um, a question that I had is, you know, you talk about all the the diagnostic traits that he has. I know people have talked about the Coastal Carolina offense and kind of gimmicky, you know, a lot of the targets are kind of manufactured. Do you think he has the the traits, you know, you talk about the hand catching, the, the you know, not necessarily, like, I know with route running, you know, a good way to extract route running upside is look for that twitch and that suddenness. So you think he has the tools to kind of become more in a more traditional or not traditional, but a more conventional NFL offense? Yeah, I certainly do. I certainly do. And and if you believe that Isaiah Likely can do that at the tight end position, I don't understand what your issue is. Uh, not your issue. That's probably <laughs> less, less. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa, bro! <laughs> just throwing, just throwing daggers out there. Um, <laughs> if if you if as a, an evaluator, uh, whoever it may be, not just you, Ian Cummings, if you believe that Isaiah Likely can transition to an NFL offense from that Coastal Carolina offense? Because, you, as you mentioned, it isn't your typical run-of-the-mill offense. There's a lot of craziness goes on there down in Coastal Carolina, a lot of option concepts. And one of the one of the things that I noted about Hiley, which to detract from his um, scouting report, was although Coastal run a lot of option concept, Hiley, he hasn't got a great upside as a blocker at the moment. There doesn't seem to be that physicality in that regard to his game. Um but in terms of transitioning from that very unique scheme that Coastal Carolina runs to the NFL level, I, I don't have a concern there now. Yeah, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I got two on mind for me that I'm thinking of. I feel bad now because you picked highly. And I'm going to pick like guys that are a little more mainstream. I feel I feel inferior now. Like I got nah, I got to go. I got to go digging. I got to go for like my my 150th receiver, like Joe <laughs> Joseph Barry from Milktown State or something in Louisiana. I don't know, just something like no, never mind. But like, no, I'm gonna go with Justin Ross. I watched him the other day from Clemson, and uh, I feel like I wanted to talk about him because he is a guy who you know has kind of been not not gone under the radar, I guess, because people still know who he is. Um, but he's been falling a little bit because of the injury concerns, and I wanted to make a point to go back to his tape and kind of see how he looked in 2021, you know, because I, I do remember looking and thinking, I'm not sure if he has the same athleticism that he used to, uh, but I wanted to go back and take a look and see for sure. And he impressed me a little bit more the second time around. I'm not going to lie. Uh, he's got size for sure. I think he's around six, three and three fours so over 200 pounds. I think 30 over 32 inch arms. So he's got that size, that frame, but it, it's really lean. He wears that frame really well. Um, And he's, you know, as a route runner, I think that was what impressed me the most is that, you know, looking back, this guy's never had that elite athleticism. He certainly doesn't have top end speed, right? He ran in the four sixes and that shows up on tape. Like he's never going to separate up top. But I do think he showed a little more burst on tape than he tested with. So that was an intriguing, in, uh, not intriguing, encouraging for me, you know, to see him gear up quickly when he did have space. Um, but as a route runner, I was really impressed. I mean, he's got some twitch and release at the line um, where he can, you know, kind of get DBs offset and then explode up field off of that. But even more than that, I mean, his stems were very impressive to me, you know, for a guy of his size. Um, you know, there was one in breaking stems, you know, widening that last step just a little bit to get that DB, you know, pressing upfield and then just chop right back inside. He's got that. He has good stopping ability. Only took him like four steps running full speed to stop and cut back. You know, really appreciated that. And then at the same time, 
you know, widening his 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 length, you know, using those wider steps to get DBs off balance and capitalizing on that. You know, he's very manipulative with the spacing on his routes and how he uses that to get separation. Because as you know, a guy without the elite athleticism like him needs to needs those details, you know, to maximize that separation. But he's very good at doing that. And then at the catch point, obviously having the body control, the instincts, he's got that. Uh, so I'm a fan of Justin Ross. I wouldn't take him round one. I, I'm, I'm, you know, maybe round three is where I'd be comfortable taking him. But if he's, if he's still there, you know, I think he's a high flow receiver who has, you know, his functional athleticism is a little bit better than his testing athleticism, if that makes sense. You know, there's always guys who, you know, their numbers kind of mirror what's on tape with Justin Ross. I think some of them do, but I do think he's a little more bursty than what he shows i do think and he's very smooth and agile for his size which you really like to see he's got some run after catchability too so i'm a fan of his another one taekwon thornton out of baylor uh, i wanted to bring this guy up because he ran a 428 and kind of similar to jameson williams we were talking about him you know we know speed is a vital part of his game but a lot of times you look at the speed you're just like oh yeah he's a speedy guy you know that's it right that's all we gotta add but with taekwon thornton i think you know, not just that, he's over 6'2". He's a little on the lighter side, only weighed in at 181, but he's got over 33-inch arms, so he's got a long wingspan, and he is much more than a speed guy, in my opinion. I think he can improve his route tree, can expand it a little bit, but he does have some twitch for his size. He's got some suddenness, which I really appreciated. And then when the ball's in the air, he's very instinctive at positioning himself. He's got good hand technique. Uh, could be a little bit stronger with his hands. Sometimes he wasn't always able to work through contact. And I think part of that stems from the lighter, leaner frame. Uh, add some poundage on there. If you can keep that speed, that's a good, that's the optimal scenario. But the body control, you know, like not just having the speed to get downfield and flip the field, but when the ball's in the air. And we saw that against Oklahoma State. We saw that against certain teams where he's very good at adjusting and contorting himself and very instinctive uh, using those traits to get into the correct positioning and convert at the catch point. He's He's got that. He's got the vertical athleticism, the height. The instincts, it's all there for him. And the speed at the same time, like just get him the ball in space, like on those drag routes, on those slant routes. And he has the speed and explosiveness to stretch the field and get get first downs as well. So I think you're looking at a guy who's, you know, who has the speed and size to be a chain mover, but a big play threat as well. And so I'm really intrigued by the upside that he has. Taekwon Thornton, I think he's in my top 15, top 12, somewhere around there. But he's in that day two range for me. And even with the lighter frame, I really love the natural receiving ability that's there on top of the speed. And I would be willing to bank on him to be, you know, a solid contributor at the NFL level. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and I think there's um I think when you look at this wide receiver class, there are um I don't want to say a number of guys like Tyquan Thornton, but when you talk about the speed that he brings to the field and everyone now is looking for that speed threat, the Tyreek Hill mold of player. And I don't again I don't mean to compare anyone directly to Tyreek Hill, but people want to find that next speed threat who has other elements to the game besides the speed. And Tyquan Thornton's like, you know, he he really showed at the combine the speed. And then, like you say, you go back to the tape and he does a lot of stuff well as a wide receiver. I mean, we both talked between ourselves about um, Danny Gray out of SMU. Again, another real speedy guy who there's a lot to love about his game when, he, when you break it down in terms of what he can do at the catch point. Um, I know what I did his scouting report and um, I was really surprised when he measured in the way that he did at the senior bowl because SMU listed him at five at six one, I think it was. He measured in under six foot five, like five eleven or whatever it was. He measured in at the senior bowl, but he plays bigger than that when you watch him on tape at SMU, and then you watch all the stuff he does after the catch as well. The the speed is apparent, the explosiveness and the burst are apparent. There's a, I think there's a number of guys who were. Uh, uh, who can fit that sort of mold? You know, you tackle on Fulton, you Danny Gray's, so this this class are going to come in and be real contributors. 
And yeah, Danny Gray was in another real quick. He was another one I was really impressed with watching the tape. Like the speed for sure shows up, but he's got throttle control and agility. He knows how to use that speed to manipulate guys. And then, like you said, like he's not a small dude, you know, and he doesn't play small either. The hand technique can improve at times, some focus drops, but you know, again, has the tools to be more than a speed receiver. And then you kind of reverse engineer that back, like more than a speed receiver. But having that sheer speed is something that just other wide receivers just don't have. And it can, you know, help them rise tier above in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm good. I know we're, we're getting towards being short on time. Um, I want to chuck out one name. And I haven't done a, a full deep dive on this guy, but he's he's a, a, a late to round UDFA sort of type of guy that I think can come in and have an impact in the in the league. And then I want to finish off with a guy we've both watched recently who um, I'm intrigued to, to hear your thoughts um, on. So um, the 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 later round UDFA type guy, watch out for Stanley Berryhill the third out of Arizona. Arizona have been – I am careful how I word this because I don't know how many Arizona Wildcats we have listened to the Pro Football Network Premier NFL Draft class, but they've not been at the forefront of exceptional college football um in recent years and as a result stanley berry hill is a guy who's gone for me under the radar um he you know we, we know sometimes pac-12 players struggle to make an impact as well um he's not statistically been a standout um 2018 over 200 yards at 15 yards a catch 2019 just under 300 yards 15 yards a catch 2020, just over 200 yards in the, the very shortened Pac-12 season that Arizona played in. But last year, had a career-high performance, 744 yards. Um, showcased some ability with the ball in his hand out of the backfield as well, averaging 6.4 yards a carry. He's a kid who um, went to the East-West Shrine Bowl. I thought he was very good there. looked very good in terms of um, some of his route running ability um, during the week of practice down at the Shrine Bowl. He's a smaller, smaller guy, five foot nine. Um, he makes his um, his arms aren't super long either, 30, uh, 30, in 32, 30 and two eighth inches. But he seems to make them longer at the catch point. Um, so he plays bigger than that five nine size. He's an element of explosiveness. He's got special teams experience as, as a punt returner, and as we mentioned earlier. When you're looking at wide receivers, especially late round and UDFA guys, you're looking at that special teams experience to help them stick through camp and onto a roster. And I think I, I really believe that Stanley Berryhill will be on an NFL roster, um, certainly through training camp. And once he gets in the camp, I think there's an opportunity um, for a team to to keep him sticking around with that special teams experience that he's got. And so that's a a late round guy that not many people have been talking about. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I know I've been, he's been in the back of my mind. I haven't had a chance to watch him in depth, but the versatility, you know, kind of the, the short area athleticism being a little smaller definitely shows up for him. I assume, and I'm, let me know if I guess right. The the guy that you want to bring up finally, you know, after that, you were, you're referencing was Bo Melton, correct? Talking about college football offenses that aren't, particularly at the forefront of college football excellence, yeah. Yeah. Bo Melton. I knew it. I knew it. I had a feeling that that's who you're describing. So let me give you my quick thoughts on Bo Melton, and then I'm interested to hear yours because you wrote up a scouting report. But um, I love the short area twitch, the explosiveness, the speed. He's got that. It's a great combination. I also think he flashes instincts at the catch point, being able to contort, extend beyond his frame. The problem is we didn't see a ton of that in Rutgers. And I think part of that, you know, is – there are some focus drops, right? I think the hand technique, the consistency can improve. He resorts to body catching sometimes, doesn't always get that diamond form at, with his hands, which you kind of want to just cradle the ball. Um, so he can improve there. And then also the physical element for his game, you know, is, is kind of lacking. You know, it doesn't always work well through contact and contested situations. But again, I also think with Rutgers offense and especially, you know, the quarterback play as well, didn't always get accurate targets in those short and intermediate and, and deep ranges where he could work off of that. So I'm interested to see what he does with better quarterback play at the next level. I think you get the ball in his hands and he does have the twitch and agility to extend uh, catches and make plays in open space. So I'm a fan. I would probably take him in round four or five, but you know I'm a fan of the upside and that's what I bank on him. Yeah, for sure. And, and interestingly enough, I know um, sort of I noted as well about the um, 
ball security in contested catch situations. Um, it was something that, I, that really stood out when I um, did his scouting report. He, he certainly needs to be a more reliable ball catcher when faced with contact. But surprisingly, I think he does show an element of physicality in terms of a stronger lower half of his body. You see him grinding out your extra yardage. I am very rarely stopped on first contact. Always fights, grinds um, to try and um, get extra yardage despite his smaller stature. Um, and I know when um, when our draft director, Cam Mellor, spoke to his teammate, Julius Turner, Julius Turner was like, yeah, this kid is physical, he's strong, um, even though he might not look it. Um, so I, I do think you see some of that on tape in terms of what he can do um, after the catch. It's just a case of being able to translate that to the contested catch um, ball security, especially over the middle of the field. But, but like you say... Um, his speed is evident. He ran a four-three-four at the combine. When I did his scouting report um, prior to the the senior ball, I was like, "That to me, that looks like a kid who's a late four-point-three second forty-yard dash guy." So he he was there or thereabouts in terms of how I estimated his speed. But like you say, there's the um, there's the twitchiness um, that he brings to it as well. The suddenness, and I feel like I'm repeating myself over and over again in this podcast, but that route uh, pacing um, variation, you know, you'll often see Bo Melton go from a jog to a sprint, just explodes into that sprint that that creates separation. You know, that's that's what you want to see. You want to be able to see the variation of route tempo in a in a route runner at the wide receiver position. Um, so I, I'm really excited to see. I think you, you're spot on for me in terms of his... Um, draft range. Um, I look at where I'd got Bo Melton in my top 300, and it was there, very, very about sort of fifth round. And he may, with his performance at the senior bowl and his combine performance, he may find himself taken, um, even slightly, you know, slightly ahead of that, like you say, fourth round. Um, but he's got that ability to play special teams. Rutgers, for all their offense, was absolutely horrible to watch. No disrespect to the birthplace of college football. Um, but they use him in, you know, jet sweeps. They use him in screens. He's versatile as a kick returner. There's, you know, excellent value there for for Bo Melton in day three. Uh, I don't think an NFL team, whoever selects him, an NFL team is going to be happy with their investment that they make in Bo Melton. Yeah, for sure. And we're just about out of time. So I know, unfortunately, we weren't, weren't able to cover all the receivers here. But if I can, if I can name drop a few people, because I know if you're listening to a wide receiver podcast, you're hoping to hear about somebody I love Alec Pierce, Sky Moore, uh, Calvin Austin, Christian Watson, as we mentioned, John Mechie, uh, Jahan Dotson, George Pickens. I'm not quite as high on, but again, I get the upside appeal. Uh, same thing with Jalen Tolbert. Again, I was a little lower on his tape than I expected to be. Uh, the hands can be more consistent, but again, has the separation ability, has the contested catch ability. You'd love to see that. And then there's other guys down the board even further. Romeo Dobbs, uh, Isaiah Weston, Jalen Naylor, David, David Bell. The list goes on and on. This is a very deep wide receiver class. So don't leave any stone unturned. You know, that's kind of been the lesson here. But as we're given our top five and, and guys to watch in this episode, you know, as always, thank you all for watching and listening. There's no video. Wow, Ian, come on, man. But uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back with linebackers next week. And then after that, we'll try and figure out what position we're going to do next. But we are running through all of them ahead of the 2022 NFL draft. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good one.